Welcome back to Weeb Weekly, an anime podcast diving into all of the news you need to know from the weeby world and perhaps slightly beyond. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Reese, and I am joined, as always, by the man with a million figurines, Steve the Save Point Cosplayer. Hey everyone, we're recording Valentine's Day weekend. Hope you had a great holiday or and a President's Day weekend as well. We got a lot of anime to talk about you we watched a lot this weekend and great to be here joe continue on we read a lot this weekend too steve if you were me (laughs) you read a lot too yeah we'll get to that soon (laughs) a customary moment of respect to my valentine that forever unseen third character who loves me so much that he watched the third evangelion movie with us for my birthday and then immediately was like you know what it's animatrix time and steve we could talk about that too we watched the animatrix for about the first time in in probably a good 10 or 15 years for me but to give him his due he is of course our perfect perfect man alex we got to talk about his tattoo, which was acting up while, uh, while we were watching anime. I think he may be allergic to anime, what it seems like it. Evangelion, specifically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We got a lot to talk about that. But where can people find us? Well, you can find us, of course, with some housekeeping. You can find us every single Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern on any possible podcast streaming app that you could possibly look for us on so please go there and of course give us a little download give us a little review give us a little thumbs up give us a little subscribe right there so that of course we can keep bringing that weeby goodness into people's ears each and every single week so yes we did watch a lot of anime are we starting with evangelion talk steve is that where we're going to begin? Are we just going to kick it? Are we just going to tear the Band-Aid off right now? Uh, very soon. First, still always a perennial favorite punching bag. Uh, Funimation, fix your app. Because earlier for this entire weekend, while we were waiting to get started, I wanted to watch some anime on my phone because I wanted to be out in the hallway. I was getting through the latest episode of um, Tomazaki. And for whatever reason, on the Funimation app, Decided to completely fail and couldn't pause, couldn't adjust anything at all, just playing by itself like it was possessed by a spirit. Had to actually force close the app to even get it to stop. Funimation, get your life together. I looked it up. Joe, This, if we ever make a Patreon, this is our stretch goal, okay? We're going to raise enough capital funding to essentially become a majority stakeholder in Sony which owns Funimation. We're going to buy, we're going to take over Funimation and we're going to burn it down and rebuild it. That is our stretch goal for everyone. If we ever make a Patreon, we're building back better with Funimation. All right. Many, 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 many years from now, we will will see how that one plays out. (laughs) Gotta have dreams. Gotta have dreams. If if that's your punching bag, then I guess I'm just going to take my punching bag out. Steve, of course, I sent you earlier this week and we took a look at the new key visual art for the upcoming anime adaptation of Eden Zero, which you might remember us making fun of very briefly a few (laughs) weeks back. Uh, It is, of course, from the creator of Fairy Tale. And my God... 
this key visual just straight up is like, there's Happy, there's Erza, there's Wendy, there's Natsu with black hair, there's Lucy. Like, I don't understand how, and I've seen buzz for this on Twitter, Steve. I've seen people excited for this. I, of course, really know nothing. Maybe if I get in there and read it, Maybe there's something there. Maybe it's a good time. Maybe it's fun. But just on the fact that it is a palette swapped sci-fi fairy tale, I I, I cannot I cannot Plus, get behind you, it. You got you got one thing. You got one thing you're good at. Don't change if it ain't broke. He's gonna be laughing to the bank. Look, I get. Obviously, artists have distinct styles. You know, like Akira Toriyama. You know, an Akira Toriyama character when you when you see it and that's part of its charm honestly Kira Toriyama's art is so damn good and it's so distinct of course like Dragon Ball Z all those characters but it would be, almost be like if you if if way back in the day when they were creating Dragon Quest they were like hey Kira Toriyama you want to come do art for Dragon Quest and he was like oh yeah, yeah I got this and it was just like red-haired Goku was the protagonist <laughs> of Dragon Quest back in the day. Like, that's what it would have been the like. The big question is, will Alex watch this and get a tattoo on his other arm? So he has both Fairy Tale and this other new anime, uh, Eden Zero. So he has both guns rocking at all times. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. He's kind of given up on Fairy Tale as well. Neither of us can somehow bring ourselves to finish the final, like, 30 episodes that we have to watch, having already gone through you know, well over 200 at this point, but I don't know. I'm going to have to give it a shot just to like put my money where my mouth is and see, and see what it is. I'm going to have to at least watch the first few just to kind of check it out. But if it, if I swear to God, I don't really know much about the premise, but I swear to God, if I start this show and they're all just like, so we're all space guilds and we're each like our distinct space guilds and we each have a tattoo of our space guilds and we go on <laughs> adventures in our space guilds. I'm going to be like, I, this is, I don't know how anyone can like this, but I'll give it, I'll give it your three episodes, Steve. Well, no, for fairy tale, you have to give it the first 50 episodes. Didn't you like the first 50 episodes and then it got bad? I never really loved fairy tale i would say i i always i liked it it was a good time back in the day it was more honestly i kind of I, I, I liked the camaraderie of it was me nick and alex all watching this show together like, that was a good time that was fun we could all just sit down and, and go through it but i wouldn't uh, the beginning even from the get-go fairy tale has never been on the same level as i would say one piece or naruto or any of the other shonen that you know people would put in that put in that really great category. I don't think fairy tale was ever ever there. It was fun in the beginning. It was better perhaps better paced in the beginning, but it was fine. But enough about fairy tale. Let's look at to the meat and potatoes of what we've been talking about. What we've been watching. We watched as promised to our listeners Evangelion 3. Is it 3 is it is it 3.0 or 3.33? You cannot redo or advance or whatever the uh, fun title is. We just watched the third movie of the Rebuild movies. And Joe, I have not seen this movie. And I didn't even realize I had a signed copy. So apparently when I purchased this, I purchased this uh, back at a convention. I had it signed by the voice uh, actor of Karu and also by Ray. It's two other people. I really can't distinguish the signatures. I guess if I, you know, really paid attention, I could like really get it. But Wow. This was an interesting ride because I joked to you right before we started watching uh, with Alex and with 
uh, Maeve and Callie that I only remember the first 20 minutes of this movie and then just all piano. And I could really understand why after I watched it, why I can only remember those few things. But before I let you take uh, do your take, we'll just give the setup. It is the third movie after the well, the second movie, where at the end of the second movie, you have Shinji, who, um, as a break between the original series, has, I guess you could say, chosen Rei as the most important character of his life. And he is rescuing her during the attack on Nerve headquarters and causes essentially near third impact to occur. And the movie takes place 14 years later. Joe, I'll leave you at that setup. What are your thoughts? I liked this movie first and foremost, and I think I'm going to sound maybe a little more negative than I actually am because I think overall I did really enjoy it. Yeah, it's certainly different. Um, <laughs> that's it's certainly different, but it uh, <laughs> one is hard to describe. I think there are some things that it does really, really well. I think there are some things that are maybe like the best versions of some of some of Evangelion, and then I also think there are just some questionable decisions in there that don't make as much sense given what the rebuilds set up. Love Kaoru. Uh, always mess up saying his name the first time. Love Kaoru. I think that I, I think that's probably the best he's ever been in any Evangelion property. Because of course in the original series he's only in like one episode and then that's kind of that's kind of it. And then he's explored further in other properties. I know he's he's very prevalent in the manga, which maybe I'll start reading. I gotta say, um, I know he's also prevalent in in other things as well. But this see, this was the most fleshed out I thought version of his and Shinji's relationship. You really see why these people or why Shinji especially has such a love for Kaoru for sort of giving him some confidence and giving him like really the one positive relationship at this point in the series in his life. So I, yeah, I thought that was really well built up. Yeah. I really liked the, I mean, I just, I wish I could get Deki Ano's like mind of like, like I'm going to re redo this story through a different lens and be able to really, um, take it in a different direction and still make it as confusing as possible and throwing out random terms and things like that. Like what are the dead sea scrolls, man? We don't even, we don't know. They're just thrown out there as like an object. You should know about this stuff. But I always appreciate and love when this is across all of the rebuild movies and actually in the regular series too, how I, I want to say the term realistic, but again, this is all science fiction at the same time, but how much thought involvement it takes to execute anything very large. And what I mean by that, let me extrapolate that. The very beginning where you have, we have see Captain Misato, uh, Misato, who is now leading the organization Wille, uh, which is actually bent on destroying the previous employer, Nerve, about getting their anti-grav battleship up. How long is that sequence of just all of the checks? Like, hey, we're going to dive this submarine and we're not going to just flip on a switch and saying we're going. We get to do every single minute 
checks and balances system, close all the hatches, fire up the engine. We're going to go through painstakingly detail what it takes to do all this because it is hard. And I that chews up a lot of time, but damn, do I love it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because just, it's just so well thought out that you just... It just tries to explain that even though it's a science fiction, we're going to try and build some barriers around to make you understand Watcher of what it uh, means to do. Yeah. Yeah. For the first part of this movie, then kind of that's that second half when they're when it's Shinji and Kaoru in the in the mech together. For, first and foremost, we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. So if you haven't seen Evangelion, it's an old movie. It's an old movie. Fair enough. Yes. But we are going to full spoilers are on for this, of course. Um yeah, I th- I thought it got a little, especially that last battle, as beautiful as, as it was, as awesome as it was, and as in as I was on these characters. I was certainly in on, on Shinji and Kaoru's relationship. I was in on the sort of hints of Rei, this new Rei getting, getting some sort of awakening and a little bit more of some independent thought as this battle went on. But it also got a little just like almost triggery honestly where it's just like things happening and it's going to just like nth degrees level of ridiculousness where like that prism of light is is coming down and the eva is rising up into it and becoming the next angel and it's it's it did start to get a little perhaps out of control a little off the rails but again, it's Evangelion, so ultimately I'm here for it. You know what you're getting in, in, into if you're watching an Evangelion movie. And besides, I was I thought about it too. Can you really spoil Evangelion? If I say any type of term, are you, are you going to be like, oh man, I really wish they didn't spoil the true meaning of the instru- human instrumentality project. Like, what is even that? Yes, I know it's supposed to like get rid of human sorrow or loneliness or something, but what does that mean? We're bringing everybody into the collective unconscious, man. It's all coming together. <laughs> but, but, let's try and connect the pieces. While you were watching, oh, Joe, are you, you were going me? crazy with your thrice upon a time. It's got to be Toji's sister. She's the linchpin. Why would you make multiple callbacks to Toji in this movie and introduce Toji's sister? And then when Shinji asks her where Toji is, she doesn't even really answer him. Why would you do this, Hideki Anno? Like, it has to to mean something, Steve. It has to mean something. Yeah, I mean, come on. Toji somehow has to play a role in the fourth movie. Yeah, and also, Karu, this time, I'll I'll change and make it better. I'll fix it. I hope that comes into play, because it didn't really in this movie. It certainly didn't really in this movie, but he's on the poster for the fourth movie, so we know he's in there, man. We know he's out there still somewhere. I'm sure we're going to see him in some capacity, probably when they travel back in time and start the loop over again. Because I still hold on, I still hold on to that. I thought it was a cool ending, though. I like the idea. You know how how so much time has passed in between the third and the fourth movie. So I wonder how much of the sort of original plans that Hideaki Anno must have had for this series is still in there in the fourth movie. But I loved where it left off with like taking it sort of back to a much more intimate scale when you have Asuka, Shinji, and Rei just going off into the desert on their own essentially and i i love that i i hope that i hope that that's a big part of the fourth movie i hope that it's just them 
you know, doing whatever, but having having this very intimate grouping of themselves, not being a part of, you know, whatever Gendo's up to, whatever Misato's up to, have them be have them removed from from the government machinations for a long time. I think that would be I think that could be really cool. Given how much time has passed, I I I ho- I don't think the movie, the fourth movie, is gonna pick up right where that left off. I mean, we were chuckling with the preview at the end of the third movie. We we're like, none of this is going to be in the fourth movie at all. Ten years has passed. All this stuff's been cut. Two things that I think are questionable to me. The first one is, and again, I think this just is 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 like we're sort of talking about with how much is going to be in the fourth movie. How much is it going to relate back to the third movie? There was such a big time gap between the second and the third movie still as well. I think it was, what, 09 to 2013, I want to say. And so much of this movie could have been just sit Shinji down and and tell him things. Like I don't understand why Misato... I understand why some people are angry at him. I understand why Asuka is angry at him, especially with where we leave Asuka in the second movie. Like She's in a coma at the end of the second movie. This is the first this is the first time we've seen her awake essentially since then. So I understand I understand why Asuka's upset with him. I don't really understand why Misato's upset with him, honestly. I so I could have used maybe just a little bit of flashback telling me why, but I seem to remember and we just watched the second movie, Misato was kind of happy that Shinji was making the choices he was making at the end of the second movie. If I remember correctly, like she's She's glad that he's finally making the choice for himself to protect Ray at the end of that movie. I guess she just didn't realize what that would entail, that everything's been destroyed if it was really worth it. So, I mean, I get, that's where I could have used... They didn't really give us much context for what's happened in the 14 years. We're just there, and these characters are just who they are, and we don't really get any explanation for that. So I would have I would have liked to have seen again make it more character focused. The first twenty th- minutes of this movie are just mech mech fighting. Yeah, it's really just getting your anti grav lift up and ready. You gotta close all those hatches. Gotta flip all those switches. Gotta switch into combat mode with your headquarters. Ugh. My second my second point that is just becoming more apparent to me because this isn't exclusively tied to the third movie. But I thought that maybe the third movie would justify some things from the second movie. Mari. Mari. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Mari Illustrious. She has no anything. She has, She's a sniper. She has kind of a cool backstory, but she has no... Who is she as a character? Character-wise, character wise, she has no bearing on, on the plot. I feel like she played the role of Kaji, essentially... Not, well, I'm not saying that, but she is a spy for the Americans, um, parachuting in, of course, landing right on Shinji. Conveniently, I mean, because, you know, what, what's a world without coincidences on the top of the school roof in the second movie? And she is there to find out what Nerve's doing, essentially, I would say, and then has a change of heart and works for them because the world's ending and who else are you going to team up with? I know that doesn't sound like a good example, but I mean, what 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 is your counterpoint? I have no counterpoint because I just don't think she's a, a she's a well fleshed out character. <laughs> I just think that she's not. I get who she is. I know that she's a spy, and I know that she's there to do spy stuff. But I don't understand 
her. I don't understand what she wants or what she's doing to to go there, especially in the third movie now, where she literally is just kind of doing whatever Asuka says in these tactical situations. She just shows up and fights. Now she's not she's not a she's not a like character with her own stakes and machinations. You know, if she's filling the role of Kaji, then like I rather we had just had Kaji, be, who wasn't in the third movie, but we did get a name drop. So we I think he's we know he's still alive. Would rather we just had Kaji because Kaji is a so much more interesting character. Wait, 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 wait. He 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 is he is alive. I thought he's dead. Maybe we they de- they said his name at some point. Maybe they were maybe he's dead. Yeah, because I feel like we got more of Kaji actually doing his spy stuff for on behalf of the Japanese government in the original series. That's not really shown in the second movie. That's really only like revealed sleight of hand when he is on that dinner date with Misato where Misato's bringing up Sele and he kind of gets a little choked up. He's like, let's, you know, you're, you're digging pretty deep into the, into that. Maybe you should stop. Um, because that's something like I'm trying to figure out too, but like, you're probably gonna get yourself killed. Now we know eventually with the original series where that takes it to, but we get no mention. I mean, to me, I feel like we don't get really any mention of Kaji in the third movie at all. And I guess we'd have to see in the fourth movie if he is ever brought back. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's just assumed like, oh, yeah, he died during thir- Third Impact, just like essentially all of Shinji's friends and the the class president. I love how Shinji also says, I miss all my friends and class president. I'm like, you don't even know what her name is at all. So, again, I think that I'm those two things are really what stood out to me in terms of questionable decisions. Other than that, I, I, I did really like it. I liked, again, I liked how much time we spent. So much of the movie is just Shinji and Kaoru scenes. And honestly, those are great. Like, it just, just building up those two characters and that relationship. The fact that, oh, the Fuyutsuki scene as well, now that I think about it. I thought that scene was great as well. A lot of, a lot of the conversations with Shinji, again, the smaller, intimate, more intimate moments, I thought were, were really well done in this movie. I'll leave it with with this that no other movie has maybe both confused but at the same time really stressed out <laughs> and you know that's the power of evangelion and i know we were joking before alex his tattoo he was getting stressed out too watching it he's like i don't know why but his tattoo was bubbling up <laughs> we'll see where this fourth movie goes I, I don't think I can stand on many of I I mean I think that some of my theories I think there's definitely gonna be some time travel in play here. But we'll other than that, we'll see. We'll see. We're all ready for the fourth movie, the conclusion of the rebuild series. And we'll have to share with all you once we are able to get those tickets to the premiere in New York City whenever that happens. Damn it, Steve, like, we're idiots. Steve, we're idiots. It's Why, not Evangelion. No, it's not Evangelion four. It's Evangelion three point yes, plus no, one Yes, no. Yes, I know. I know. No, I because know. Steve, they're putting them together. Whatever happened, they're putting the 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 world of the third movie and the world of the first movie together. Steve, they gotta go back. We gotta go back. Gotta go back. Thrice upon I, a time. Take me back to the third timeline. I would love if they pull a Haruhi, what I talked about before about the Endless Eight, and the movie starts up with the first movie, but there's only slight things that are being changed each time, and you have to be really careful, such as, for example, 
like uh, where Shinji is in front of the Ava for the first time. His father is looking up up at the glass, and Ray's coming instead of from the left, right, left side. She's coming on the right side, and they slowly start changing little things like a butterfly effect. And it just changed. I mean, look, this movie could be a Zack Snyder movie. It'll be five hours long. Weebs will sit down there and watch it and pick out all these little things. And it turns out to be a different story. I would love that so much. I would love, I would non-ironically love that so much. Well, we will, we will see. Our Evangelion has come to the, has come to a, 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 our Evangelion times have come to a bit of a pause until whenever Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 comes out, but we will we will be there as soon as it does. Before we go to the wee week that was giving you all the news that happened the previous week, do you want to talk about some goldfish? Oh, always. Do you want to be caught up on where I am with the, with Shibuya goldfish? Give me three sentences of what's happened. Where are you caught up? Three sentences, sir. The goldfish are mutating. Some of them are growing human limbs that come out of their mouths. Got one more. Hajime Hajime and his friends are attempting to create a pathogen that they will release in Shibuya to kill all of the goldfish. It sounds like something that would give me a mindfuck, and I would love to see it actually animated. It would be wild animated there's been weirder things animated like par- like paranoia oh, for sure who wouldn't want to see people getting massacred by goldfish they have that there's, there's, there's like a chainsaw man anime or manga the guy with chainsaw arms that it's getting some buzz or traction i don't know much about it i'm just like well that's totally anime this guy put guy has chainsaws for arms sure why not let's do it well steve that was a good weekend of anime for me but you did have a little bit of a not not sadness, perhaps, but nostalgia, perhaps. Yeah, this week is Katsukan, um, or would have been Katsukan. I've gone for the past five or six years, and this is the first one I am missing. Well, technically, everyone's missing because it's canceled due to the coronavirus. It is honestly one of my favorite conventions. It is located in the National Harbor. Uh, right outside Washington, D.C. at a very lovely location. Um, a lot of my photo shoots actually taken have been taken there, and I posted a good memories and reminiscence on my Twitter of some of the cosplays I've shot there, and I'm just I'm missing all my cosplay friends, my convention friends, a lot of friends, and this is not exclusively to me. There is a lot of people who feel a similar way where they have friends they really only see during conventions and you use it as a time to really catch up on things. Uh, As you get older, I guess you could think of it as like, you know, that time where you're able to really sit down at a bar in costume, of course, because you're all weebs and you have nothing else better to do, but just ordering maybe some like Jack Daniels and some Coke and um, just catching up what everyone's been doing. Uh, it's just a chill and relaxed time, and I'm I'm really missing that. But I'm hoping that conventions come back this year. We, you know, have been having a lot of good news on the vaccine front, so I would say I am hoping that Anime NYC in November can be something that can I can participate in safely, of course. But it's also the convention's discretion if they want to choose it. But I'm having high hopes for Katsukan 2022 next year, and 
that just means I just have to up up my cosplay game. I already have some plans, already thinking about who I'm going to be, and I just want to take advantage of it because you really only miss something when you don't have it, and I want to make the most of it next year. Give give us the exclusive. Who are you thinking about? Can you can you give that away? Yeah. So well, so there's a few things. So it, plans are always fluctuating and changing because I know if something's going to be really hot coming this year, I may cosplay from it. But if you asked me in a vacuum, Steven, who are you going to be cosplaying maybe end of this year? I have in my eyes Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist. Love that character. Love. Wow. I know. It's, 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 it's weird. First off, his wig, easily to do it. That's like the one thing I'm really good at is making wigs. And also, no props. Just use this as gloves, which I love. So it's always like practical. And it's just a great character. Even when you're just meeting people in person, like everyone recognizes the character. And um, you can really interact with a lot of people because I'm always torn. Cosplaying characters that even though I'm passionate about are very, very um, really not well known. And I know what you're saying, or listener, if you enjoy something, really like someone, you should cosplay them. And I stand by that too. However, there is something missing if you are cosplaying someone no one really recognizes and no one recognizes you. You're just like, okay, I'm here. And then... You know, it's just that type of, like, interaction you kind of create because you are doing a showpiece where you want to be noticed. And I guess it depends on your level of convention, like, what you're trying to get out of a convention. If you're just meeting up with friends, it doesn't, uh, you know, that's fine. Um, If you're going for photo shoots and, you know, I'm planning to do that type of angle, obviously I want to do cosplay and do photo shoots and do that type of stuff with characters people will recognize because you want that interaction, essentially, at the end of the day. I don't think that is um, shameful or greedy to say. So Roy Mustang definitely fits that bill. I love the character, too. Absolutely. Um, so he is, like, on my list. Um, I always wanted to redo Joker from Persona 5. Also a great character. Um, Callie is planning on Kasumi. For that one too, so that's also going to be a lot of fun. It's always great doing a photo shoot with two different characters. Get a lot more dynamic poses and type of setups. So I'm looking forward to that. And if I play my cards right, and this will be a very tough character to do because the amount of detail that goes in him, but I would like to do Rufus Shinra from Final Fantasy VII Remake. I know you haven't played that yet, oh, but wow. he looks a, he is a great fun character, and I guarantee he will be a main character in the second game. Cause you see him at the end of yeah, really? you see him at the end of the first game. Not really spoilers. And the what's up? Doesn't he die in the original game? You're so Rufus Shinra's not the president. Okay, okay, it's his son. Okay. It's his son. Gotcha. Okay. 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 Been too long. It's been. been It's been long. It's his son, the one who is going to take over. So obviously, a little bit closer to my age, Joe. So I'm pretty sure that puts all the pieces together. Um, He is a great 
character, very full, very cocky, but full of himself, but has the skills to back it up. And he's a villain. Oh, there's like cosplaying villains too. And he has a lot of like really detailed, like long leather trench coat type of thing, which is going to make it really tough to make. But you know, dream big. Why not? So those are the three characters I have on my mind to do, but something can come along 2021. Maybe something comes from 13 Sentinels, Joe. Maybe I have to cosplay Ooh. from that if I love it. I don't know. Who knows? Oh, you, I would, I would love that. I would love if you went in on that. Well, I've, I, I, of course, I feel like there is something that has, you know, perhaps surprised you, which is Skate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I can't forget about that. I got to do Cherry. We're doing Joe and Cherry Blossom. I know. So, I mean, you, you, again, you never, never, never count them out. You know, certainly, certainly things can come out of the blue and just kind of take your, take your breath away. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm surprised you've never done Roy Mustang. I almost did. And then something else came up. I actually did. Uh, God, I forgot his name. Um, was it Longfan, the guy from the quote Asian country? Which I know sounds weird, but you know, he was like in yellow with the uh, I guess like a scimitar almost. He's in Brotherhood. He's not in the original anime. Yeah. Yes, the guy who gets. I didn't want to yeah. say. Yeah, him. Much. I've I've cosplayed him. That was a long time ago, and his wig was not fun to do. Long-haired wigs are. Not not fun at all. Yeah, he's got like a long ponytail kind of, or like a braid kind of thing. Yeah, it sucks. Well, to the weeb week that was, of course, giving you some of the biggest stories from the anime world over the past week. First one up, kind of really pretty big and exciting. Wit Studio and Netflix partner up for the new animator training school. Netflix and Wit Studio announced today that the two companies will be partnering up to help new creators get a head start in their anime studies and careers. Wit Studio is setting up the Wit Animator Academy with training provided by animation school Sasayuri from this April, and Netflix, with Netflix covering the cost of tuition and living expenses for 10 people to learn how to animate from some of anime's greatest minds. Leading the school will be lecturer Hitomi Tateno, who was an animation checker on a majority of Studio Ghibli productions from the 90s and thousands, as well as Akira. The young animators will also be able to learn from current anime staff at Wit Studio who have worked on Attack on Titan, Great Pretender, and more. The six-month program is open to young adults up to 25 years old who have at least completed high school. Nationality doesn't matter as long as the applicant can speak daily conversational Japanese and be in Japan from April to September 2021 for in-person classes. That's awesome. That is so freaking cool that Wit Studio, arguably, certainly some of the best, arguably the best in the business, some, some would probably make that argument, to be literally just kind of opening their doors and being like, Come, come learn how we've done it. And I think, obviously, the quality of their work speaks to, like, yeah, they would probably be pretty damn good teachers. And then Netflix, just putting their money where their mouth is. They've obviously invested so much in bringing anime titles to the platform in the past few years. But for them to literally be like, we're going to help people learn. We're going to help the next generation learn how to do it. Certainly, again, just, just is setting themselves up for the future down the line, but also just, again, investing in that is, is so cool to see. Yeah, I really like this too. I always enjoy companies being able to share their knowledge with the newer generation, and it does point to the fact that Netflix is going 
full into anime. I wonder if they this was spurred upon that it's uh, presumably easier to make quality anime while working remotely, um, given the coronavirus pandemic. So I bet this is like a shift in type of strategy, but all the better for us so that we're able to also, you know, see the fruits of that labor eventually. And I think it's also important to note that it says also those who pass will be contracted to WIT and its parent company and anime studio production IG for a year to work on an original anime for Netflix. So Netflix definitely wants to see the the fruits of this payoff, and I think it is just something that allows them to really pull from a resource, uh, a talented pool, I guess you could say, of animators to make the next big anime. I'm really interested to see, and, and obviously Netflix probably holds these numbers close to their chest, but how... How many people watched Great Pretender? Now, I know those metrics are kind of like weird. I'm just saying Great Pretender as an example because that was our anime of 2020, which was made by Studio Wit and obviously is on Netflix too. So I would love to see, like, are they pulling in a lot of people for this? Because to my, because in my knowledge, the way Netflix business, art, business works is that they typically do not like long-running series is that correct joe no they do not in fact they yeah they do not want their shows a lot of the time to run past four seasons i want to say because that's when new contract negotiations have to come into play i don't know how that corresponds to anime because typically that's all live action and that's negotiating actor contracts and salaries with anime that's all decided by Japanese law so I don't know how that would how that would factor in but even with anime rarely do anime really go past two seasons so I feel like it's a great match for Netflix something that really aligns with their business model I know I wish some shows go farther than two I hope we get another season of Great Pretender and I feel like we will we you know we talked about that in the past but a lot of anime kind of you know, gets a one and done story, which is something that, you know, I do like um, that you're able to really go into a show that's only going to be 12 episodes, but you know what the conclusion is going to be. Now, of course, better than worse. Sometimes some do not use all of those 12 episodes to really tell a story that what concludes well, about? but some are Name good. me one, Steve. Name me one. That rushed w- way too much at the end. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Are you are you being sarcastic? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm being sarcastic. Oh, God. I'm like, where are you? Where, have you been watching any anime? Yeah, that's always the thing. Like, like the perfect example I'll say. Cabin of the Iron Fortress. That show, after episode six, just slammed so much in the last few episodes that it really took away the, I feel, the world-building intention because they they, they they crammed in so much so fast. I will, probably won't see much left of Cabin of the Iron Fortress ever again. I know there was a movie. I still have to watch it, but it seems to be just like a one-off type of thing, not really like a continuation of a series, but that's like the first one that came to mind. It's like, damn, I wish they actually took their... T- their time and we're able to make this 24 episodes but for every one of that we get another anime that is going to be much longer um such as seven deadly sins which has been going on for a pretty long time which is also contracted by netflix something that that just kind of made me think of it'd be cool if the netflix model 
allowed them to kind of play around with how many episodes a show is. If it comes exclusively exclusively to Netflix and doesn't have to adhere to sort of like uh, Japanese television licensing rights, which I would imagine plays into how many episodes certain things have to be, much like it does in America. So if they can make a, you know, this isn't going to be a full 24 episode show, but if we made it like 15 episodes or 16 episodes, that would give us just enough time to flesh things out a little bit more beyond 12 episodes, but still cut it off at the right time. It'd be cool to see studios start kind of playing with that idea a little bit. Start going with crazy numbers too. Give me episodes that are 40 minutes long and be 12 episodes. You can do that. I bet we are on the cusp, Steve, of a show perhaps experimenting with that. Attack on Titan? Attack on Titan. You think the finale is going to be that long? I could see it, man. I still think we're getting some sort of movie, but if the movie just comes in the form of the final episode and the final episode is, you know, this hour-long or 90-minute affair, I could see it because just, again, we've been talking so much about how this episode count doesn't seem to line up with how many chapters are left. I could see them. Maybe they play with that a little bit. I don't know. I feel like, honestly, the most realistic answer is that they're going to have the final three episodes as part one, two, and three, and they're just the same length. I mean, it's not what you want, but that's like the cop-out. Maybe. We shall see in approximately, what, a month and a half? Yeah, it's coming up soon. Coming up soon. Hopefully Ooh, it, oh hopefully it ends well. I, we, we, uh, I think it is. It seems they haven't let me listeners, down yet. If you don't, if you haven't uh, gone back to our previous episodes, one of my predictions is that Attack on Titan will have a bad ending. What I mean by that is it will leave no one happy. It'll be compared to Game of Thrones as something they squandered away at the end. I, again, repeat, I do not want that to happen, but if they're really sticking to 16 episodes and we're more than halfway through and they got a lot more to talk about, they may have to cram a lot of things in. But I'm going to leave it to MAPPA to guide us through and see what the ending's going to be. Well... We will also end up seeing somewhere down the line some of the fruits of this Wit Studio and Netflix new animator training school start to come out at some point. Presumably, honestly, if they're April to September 2021 classes, I probably start to see the fruits of that labor in maybe 2022, maybe 2023, but not too far down the line. I'm going to say probably a little bit farther down the line only because let's say you pass this school. Are you going to be given a, you know, you work with you work with Studio Wit, and eventually you'll get your own project. I feel like it takes a little bit of time, but you are building for the future. You are you're investing in and seeing what the return is is going to be much farther down the line. And you know they have what with ten people, maybe one or two of those actually become like household names that we're able to rattle off without it have to look look them up. You know, could be. And again, for those who pass, they'll be kind of immediately. It seems contracted into into working for wit and working for production ig so even though they won't be no they're not certainly going to be sort of headlining shows right off the bat but they're 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 going to be in there working again on this whatever this original anime is for netflix but also the next season of vinland saga or the next season of haikyuu or things like that speaking of animators and being hired the next story we have on here is Animators in Japan reveal their first year's earning in the industry. This comes courtesy of Anime News Network. They did a lot of good research on this. The Animator Dormitory Project 
which runs a YouTube channel which regularly shares information about labor issues in the anime industry. The latest video broke down the earnings of a new animator in 2019, which was their first year active in the industry. The total income for the year was about 668,000 yen, which is about $6,000, which evens out to a monthly average of about 670 US dollars, which is about 74,000 yen. They remarked that their income might actually be higher on the higher end as far as first year animators go. Uh, the reporter has often heard that about 450 US dollars per month is a typical figure on the low end. It could be $270 a month. Now, I know, Joe, that this has been an ongoing issue where animators being getting into the anime industry is very grueling and does not pay well. You have a lot of people going in there with the passionate idea that they're going to make big, that they're going to be the next Miyazaki. But this kind of proves that there needs to be reform in this type of work because that is a paltry level of pay for the type of work that goes into animation. Now, obviously, I am not an expert in Japanese labor laws. However, it is no secret or surprise that it is, this has been consistent, consistently reported of being almost very grueling and detrimental to animators' health. And I hope that more reports such as this become public because the best way to change something in the system is to give a shine spotlight to it and allow the reform process to occur. Absolutely. I've heard, yeah, I've, I'm with you. I've heard, I've heard quite a bit through the years of just how low animator salaries can be uh, working in the anime industry. It kind of reminds me just the parallel that makes most sense to me is kind of the games industry in, in America. There's been a lot of talk over the past few years about just the grueling work hours and the amount of payment being, you know, perhaps comparable, perhaps not comparable to that. Um, I certainly don't have all of the information, so I won't go too far into that, but we've certainly been having the same conversations over here in America in that industry. So hopefully it starts to play over in Japan. I don't know. Again, a lot about minimum wage laws, which again is another hot button topic over here in America right now. So I don't know what capacity they have to be to to be working towards higher pay, but I hope it happens. I certainly hope it happens. This is pretty low for what I would imagine from an industry as as huge as as anime. For other jobs such as with the video game industry. I wouldn't be surprised if it's taking advantage of like an internship. Oh, like what is an internship where it's almost, you know, you're getting paid for very little, but it actually is technically legal what's being paid out, maybe like at the stipend or something like that. So, you know, I don't want to like be a definitive source on that, but I've heard this way too many times and I hope it changes because at the same time, I don't think you could work on multiple projects if you're an animator, even you know, even in the video game industry. I feel like it's probably a non-compete clause. Like, I don't think you could work for Clover and also Studio Wit at the same time. I think like you're, you're con even I think like if you're contracted, like you, you can't 
work for other studios at the same time. If you're contracted, yes. We do get down here the blah, blah, blah. If you're contracted, yeah. Or later on in the article, it says they explained that one of the reasons behind their low earnings in January was that they took time off to be with their family, which is another big issue in Japan, the idea of vacation time, but also because the payment was for the payment for large projects can be transferred several months after the job was accepted. Even with savings, it's hard to make ends meet like this, they explain, which is why freelancers have to factor this in when deciding which jobs to take on. I would imagine if you're a freelancer, you probably can work for multiple studios. I I would imagine like if you're just doing, you know, if Wit hires you to do some background art for Great Pretender, but you're not contracted with that studio, you might be able to still go do background art for production IG or for Ufotable or or studios or other studios. I would imagine if you're a freelancer, if you're not exclusively contracted, you probably can pick up work around sort of around around town, as they say. I know another thing to factor into is, if I remember correctly, South Korea and Taiwan are also very favorable areas to outsource a lot of the background work to. Um, I've seen that happen a lot in different anime where you have Korean and Taiwanese studios listed in the credits where they're doing a lot of the supplemental work while the main studio in Japan is doing the you know, main characters in the, in the foreground and the major plot points. So I, I wonder if it's also one of those things too, where the pay is low because that pay is being essentially not really factored in when they're looking at a budget of hiring someone in Japan, because they're going to be outsourcing a lot of the rest of the work to other uh, countries, especially when it comes to 3D modeling, too. I think that's also very popular. The other aspect is with third con- uh, th- uh, third-party third countries to contract out 3D work. Keep putting those numbers out there, people, and we'll keep talking about them. Keep reporting. We'll keep talking about them, as you said. It's the only way to get this to change. Yet again, speaking of work that animators might be getting paid for, our third story, Demon Slayer, gets a second season this year what 2021 what's happening that's what the steve that's what the story says also from anime news network the kimetsu sai online anime second anniversary festival special announced on sunday that koyoharu gotoge's demon slayer kimetsu no yaiba manga is getting a new television anime this year entitled demon slayer entertainment district arc Haruo Sotozaki is returning to direct the second season at Ufotable. Akira Matsushima is again designing the characters. The cast from the first television anime season is returning, including Katsuyuki Konishi as Tengen Uzui, pictured in the new anime's key visual. The series, for some context, of course, if you have not been paying attention, was followed up, the original first season was followed up by the Demon Slayer movie Mugen Train. In October 2020, the film has surpassed Hayao Miyazaki's 2002 Spirited Away, its last rival for all-time highest earnings in Japanese box office history. Not surprising, but also kind of surprising? Honestly, this is surprising. I feel like it was done. And, I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of Demon Slayer... I feel like after the movie, I feel like the the series was going to end on... What I mean by a high note, I mean like we made it, 
we are not going to push our luck. We made a ton of money. Let's move on to the next project. It's not the end of the story, though, Steve. And it, and it is the highest grossing movie ever in Japan. You don't think you're, they're going to strike when the <laughs> money talks? Man, I don't know. Maybe I just, just if I was in charge of everything, I would have just, no, you know, amazing because I just always feel like the diminishing returns. But, you know, I know the manga is ended, correct? It's done. So done, done. F- so for some context, yeah, so Mugen Train, I've got the arcs pulled up right now, is the seventh arc of 11 arcs. So there's only four arcs after that until the end of until the end of the manga. Now, given... To be fair, the 11th arc is the final battle arc, which it seems is split up into two sort of mini arcs encompassing up in that. So, you know, technically five arcs, I suppose. One of them is pretty short. There's a training arc in there that's only like nine chapters long. But yeah, I mean, they're over halfway done with the series and the series is done. The story is over. So I would think they are absolutely going to gonna. gonna take this all the way to the end i'm almost surprised it's another series i thought maybe they were just gonna go movies after this since they kind of set that precedent but for some context the mugen train arc is 17 chapters long and that was condensed into i'm assuming about a two hour long movie the entertainment arc is 30 chapters long so it's about twice the size of mugen train so it makes sense they maybe want to you know take a little more time with that but yeah, I would. I, I'm. I'm surprised that it's coming this year. Yeah, that also that too. This year, I feel like that's too fast. Unless they've been working in parallel. I would imagine it's all been. They just hadn't announced it yet, but I would imagine it's been well underway for for a while now. I mean, it was a quick turnaround from, you know, the the first season was summer ish 2019. And then we had Mugen Train, which should have come out sooner than it than it did. In fact, I believe, unless I'm speaking out of my ass there, was Mugen Train pushed because of COVID at all? I mean, I almost everything was pushed, so I wouldn't be surprised. But with that, you know, maybe I'm just thinking back to Attack on Titan where those seasons took a while in between to come out because of how much animation and frames were needed per scene where it's a higher amount on average because that's how you get the fluid combat and given that demon slayer has been that caliber by ufotable i feel like it would be taking longer to complete but i guess they managed to do it and we'll be able to see it the i presumably the second half of 20 2021 it's possible that that's why they made the next arc a movie maybe it would have taken longer to have another season happen if they were doing Mugen Train as an arc in a series and then the entertainment arc in a series. But maybe the the fact that they were able to just kind of like concentrate Mugen Train into one thing that allowed them to perhaps push faster into a into an actual second season. But also it's ufotable. Who knows what the hell they've got on going on over there, you know? What the, who knows what's in the water over there, man? Now tell me, Joe, what if happens if Amazon comes with a boatload of money and says, we will get this season. And then I win my bet. I mean, it'd be, it would certainly be wild. I It would piss off a lot of people, but I was going to say Jeff Bezos doesn't care, but he's, he's stepping down from Amazon. I could almost see, I, I think it's more likely that Funimation gets exclusive rights over Amazon for Demon Slayer. Yeah, that's probably the, 
that makes the most sense. But I, I can just see Amazon Prime being like, we don't care about why if it would split up the entire way you can watch Demon Slayer. You can only watch season one um, on Crunchyroll Funimation and you got to watch the rest with us. They're going to have to, by the time the second season comes out, They speaking of separate viewings and chunking it out in weird ways, they're going to have to put Mugen Train somewhere before this second season comes out. You can't just put out the second season that is a continuation from the movie, from the events of the movie, when a good portion of your audience hasn't had the opportunity to see the movie yet. That's going to be, I agree with you, but it's going to be also tough because usually movies, for whatever reason, do not go on anime streaming services. I'm not saying that there's none, but for example, Funimation has the distribution rights for the Evangelion movies, I believe, right? But I couldn't pull up Evangelion on Funimation app. That's not there. Or I'm thinking also Full Metal Alchemist, Conqueror Shambhala movie, our Isekai continuation. Uh, I don't think that's streaming anywhere, even though you could watch all of Brotherhood or, you know, or the original series too on Netflix. It's always movies that gets like really weird in terms of the rights and like what you can stream online and what you can't. And that's when Amazon is going to come swooping in and be like, we'll put Mugen Train on Prime. It's fine. The best one I can say is actually uh, Sword Art Online Ordinal Scale. Where can you watch that? That actually is between two seasons. They made it canon. They No, they it is it canon. canon. It is canon. <laughs> I know, but Alicization really made it. Yeah, yeah, you have Yuna pops in there. If you didn't watch the movie, you'd be like, who the hell is this girl singing? It's like, I hope you watched the movie beforehand. But yeah, like, where where do you stream that and watch that? Yeah, the only one that comes to my mind off the top of my head is is Crunchyroll does have the Bungo Stray Dogs movie on their app. Just there. Under Bungo Stray Dogs, the movie's just there. So yeah, I don't know what is going on with these other ones. Weird. Same thing with OVAs too. I know there actually is Attack on Titan episodes you haven't seen yet, Joe. Presumably you haven't seen yet that um, only exist like in a movie format that take place between like seasons th- three and four. I've seen them. They're really good. But what about, about Levi? Lots of changes in the anime industry over the course of those three those three stories. Something that never changes though, Steve. Who's your favorite OTP pairings? It's Valentine's Day. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about our topic of the show. It is Valentine's Day weekend. And Joe, you gave me a little hint that you had something cooking on your end. Yes. So we, of course, very quickly came to the idea, hey, it's Valentine's Day weekend. Let's talk about some of our favorite relationships, some of our favorite OTPs in anime. You said your favorites and why. And I know that you have some prepared and you have some to shout out. But Steve, I don't watch a lot of shoujo like you. I don't, I don't watch a lot of romance. There's certainly some couples that I could call out. But you know, romance, not as much my thing. So I can't, I'm not going to speak for myself in that regard. So in on my end, I'm going to let the internet talk for me. Ooh. But do you want to give, do you want to give your shout outs to some couples first? Sure. I'll give my few shouts. I'm really looking forward to this. So, Originally, I put down three traditional shoujo pairings that I love and wanted to give a shout-out to because I think they're just so damn cute. 
First one up, no surprise, Miyuki uh, Shiragane and Kaguya Shinomiya from Love is War. Love that. You know them. Love them. I have. I think they have an amazing relationship. I can't wait to see what their relationship is going to continue to evolve to in the third season. I feel like they've kind of really set up that there will be a conclusion of this show when they finish high school, essentially. And the first thing that just comes to mind where I know I was a puddle of mush is when Shiragane is going to show Kaguya the the moon and all of his astronomical facts in the second season, the beginning. And, you know, just brings her close. They stargaze. He is talking about the traditional folklore tale of Princess Kaguya, that how it relates to her, that he's never going to let her go, that he would have changed fate in the folklore tale. She's getting steamed up being so close. Oh, my God. I thought that was just so adorable. I will never forget that, and they're one of my top couples. And it's actually a recent couple, too. Um, so that's my number one. Second one I have, deep cut, Misaki... Ayuzawa and Takumi Usui from Kaichoi Wa Made Sama, which is an older, much older shoujo where it is essentially Usui is the popular guy who um, doesn't talk much. Everyone really looks up to him as being like a type of perfect character. And you have our female lead, uh, Misaki, who is also the top of her class, and she's always seemed to be very hamstrung, very almost like I could say like Makoto. I think that's the best one from Persona 5, that type of top of her class, very stern and strict, but as her side job, she actually works at a maid cafe, and she tries to keep it hidden from everyone because it ruins, I guess you could say, her her outward perception of being a very serious student. But Usui actually figures this out and is a cat and mouse game of him keeping her secret from other people. And it is something, a secret they can share together. And it is a wonderful love story that I recommend everyone uh, who enjoys shoujo to check it out. And it is one of the first anime shoujos that actually got me into the genre. I don't know what was going through Steve's mind, my, my mind back then. Be like, let me pick up this anime. This looks really cute and watch it all the way through. But hey, I'm here right now talking about it. And it really got me into the further rabbit hole of other shoujo, such as Toradora, such as Golden Time, which I really like, such as Watakoi, Recovery of MMO Junkie, and I can go on and on and on. The last one I'm going to give a shout out to really quick, I've talked about before, is Hachiman Hikigaya and Yukino Yukinoshita from my teen romantic comedy Snafu. Talked about this actually in our earlier episodes where it has concluded at the third season. I think this is a really good uh, look at a relationship that buds over three seasons 
which we usually do not get in shoujo. Uh, you have two characters who are very interestingly almost diametrically opposed of how what their outlook of the world is um, in terms of being pessimistic and optimistic, but at the same time trying to be realistic. And it is a great ride from start to finish and really poses some really like serious, interesting questions of what it truly means to be in a relationship and what you see in another person to come together. But those are the three couples I wanted to give a shout out to. But Joe, you said you're talking about the internet. What are they saying? First of all, personally offended that Kazuya and Mizuhara are not on this list. We don't know how that ends up. These stories are completed. I still, well, okay. Not, not, oh, what? Well, I'd say... We don't come you on. Say that. Listen, we don't. I think number one. That's not completed, but we know they're going to get together in the end. I don't know what's going to happen with the rent a girlfriend saga. He could come up with Ruka. You don't know. <sighs> could end up with mommy. Could end up with mommy. One can dream. One can dream about that. Yeah. So I, again, could call out some 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 couples. Certainly some couples that are about to even come up in. And get a shout out and a mention in what I'm about to bring up. Because Steve, I went, of course, if I'm looking for the top relationships in certain anime, I feel like there was only one source I could go. And that is, of course, AO3. Archive of Our Own. What? Okay. I went to Archive of Our Own. For people who don't know, Archive of Our Own is a massively huge fan fiction site essentially where people can write fan fiction on various properties and put them up and tag them in it and and just put up their stories about them and it, and it, it is it, there there's some pretty inventive stuff in there but one of the tags that you can put under a given property are the relationships and so Steve I went to a bunch of different anime properties and I found the top relationships from those anime properties and I want you to guess who those top relationships would oh, be. Oh, boy, the top relationships. Okay, this is great. We can even start with one that you just mentioned. I did, in fact, go and look at my teen romantic comedy, Snafu. Yeah. Who do you who do you think is the top in terms of, and this is, the by top, I mean they have the most stories, they have the most tags on stories for this relationship. I'm assuming it's not the one I mentioned. I don't know. Is it, is it, uh... Yukino and Hachiman? It is not Yukino oh, and Hachiman. That, it's got to be Hachiman and, um, God, I'm forgetting her name. It's the, the pink-haired girl. I'm blanking out right now. I'm assuming you are correct. Is her name Hayato? Hayato? Uh, seems like it. Let me quickly look up teenage romantic comedy snafu. Whoa, wait, wait, no. Wait, who who is Hayato? Whoa, that, I'm thinking of Yui. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, we're going deep. Who is just not even the OVA? Who is Hina- uh, wow. wow? Fake fan, man. This, Fake I am, fan. I am stumped. Hi. Oh, I know who she is. Okay. Really? I I don't think this is a girl, Steve, because I googled Hayato, my teen romantic comedy snafu, and I have Hayato Hayama, a central figure. Oh, the boy. He is the the most popular student in school. So yes, the top relationship. 
Really hot. There have been 32 <laughs> tags. To to be fair, my teen romantic comedy snafu. There weren't like a ton of stories. There weren't there weren't not a ton going on for Ao3. Some of the other ones we're gonna get to are like thousands and thousands of tags for these relationships. 32 yeah. tags for Hayato and Hachiman. So a little little boys love right there. Okay, so I I have now my setup for character pulling because Hayato. Yes, I know he is basically one of the other main male characters of the show. So that. That totally makes sense. And how could I forget the BL? I can't. I have to factor that in all the time now. I apologize, listeners. That's on me. That's on me. Cause, cause I'm looking through all the female ones. I'm like, wait, are we talking about? Are we talking about the 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 third girl in the show? Are we talking about the 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 other girl who is also really popular? Are we talking about the teacher maybe? I'm like, oh no, I'm forgetting a whole other cast of people. There there is a fair amount of boys' love on on some of these. I didn't do my research. I assumed Hayato was one of the girls on the on the main poster, so I apologize on my end as well. I'm ready now. I'm ready. One that might be a little easy, Naruto. Um. Okay, it's gonna be. Naruto and Sasuke getting on together. It is. It is yeah. very much by a by a long shot. Sasuke and Naruto with eight thousand seven hundred and sixty tags. I noted, interestingly enough, Rock Lee nowhere in the top ten because Rock Lee is a saint and he only has his eyes on Sakura, but he doesn't get her in the end, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, but no. but Naruto, fun fact: their first his first kiss is Sasuke, which is canon- canonical. In the original series, he ac- he accidentally falls in his mouth and they kiss. Of course, of course. Or was course, it an accident? Of course. Or was it an accident? I'll be interesting to see if you get this one because you might not be. These are characters you probably should know just through like sort of word of mouth, but you're not super familiar with the show. But I did want to bring it up. One Piece. One Piece. I'm gonna say probably. Man, you're gonna hate me because I'm trying. I'm not saying these characters should be together. I'm thinking like, who are the popular characters? So I'm gonna think maybe like Sanji and Nico Robin. Close. You got Sanji right, but of course we're still in boys' love. It's Sanji and Zoro <laughs> would be the top Zoro. Pairing. Yes. S- okay. Sanji. Sanji very popular. Sanji in pretty much all of the Sanji pairings. Fucks. Oh, for Sanji sure. Fucks. For sure. So does Zoro probably. But yeah, so Zoro and Sanji was the top with 4,071 tags on that. Can't can't discount the boys' love. One of your faves, Roroni Kenshin. Uh, <laughs> so I'm so if I'm if I'm continuing this thing, I'm guessing it's at Sano and Kenshin. Now they this one they go or no with sort of sort of what you what you would maybe expect. It is in fact Kenshin and Kaoru. Aw, okay, I know they're great. Yeah. It's a great pairing. You know, great romance. They do have a great romance. Okay. Thank 322 you. 322 tags. Thank you, AO3. Here's a fun one. I actually have the top three if you want to guess all three of them. Sure, 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 sure. For Attack on this. Titan. Attack on a- Titan. Attack on Titan. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Levi and Irwin. That's number two. Damn. Close. That's number two is Levi and Irwin. Okay. Uh, mm hmm. Mm hmm. Le- was it would it I, oh would it be uh Aaron and Levi yes that is number yeah, one okay, is Aaron okay. and Levi okay yeah with 14,741 right. tags Levi and Aaron I didn't write down how I, many Levi and Irwin had but Le- I was about I was about to say 
Levi and Mikasa. I'm like, wait a second, aren't they related? Because I know they have the last name. I'm like, ooh, that would have been. That might uh, come into we, play on a later. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm th- oh my god. Okay. Who do, you, okay. who do you now? This one caught me off guard. Who do you think is the number three relationship for Attack on Titan on Ao3? You're probably not gonna get it because I would never have guessed this. I'm picking up random characters: Sasha and Armin, Jean and Marco. You remember Marco? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> I don't know why there's so many stories about them. Yeah, Marco, for context reviewers, is literally introduced and then dies in like the same episode. But he had a little bromance with Jean, and apparently people latched onto that and wrote a lot of fan fiction about it. Poor went out for Marco. Dragon Ball. Uh, Goku and Vegeta. It is not Goku and Vegeta. Somehow. But they they even they even like do a. They go inside each other. They... Yeah, they <laughs> go inside each other. Literally, um, Bulma and. Hmm. Would it be Bulma and Goku? I don't. This is tough. I'm always thinking that be. Oh, is it be Krillin? <laughs> not Krillin. Piccolo. Piccolo. No, you were getting closer a few few guesses back. Okay, so it's got to be Vegeta and Bulma. There you go. There it there is. There we go. All right, they're great. Two thousand. I mean, they, they have an interesting relationship, but. Yeah. Oh yeah, two thousand six hundred seventy-one. Dragon Ball, much like Roroni Kenshin, kind of also went perhaps the more canonical route, because number two was Goku and Chi-Chi. Oh, okay. Master Roshi getting nothing. I didn't look far enough. I'm sure you can find some. I, I bet you can find some some dark, some read dark it. Master <laughs> I Roshi. I don't, I, do, I don't. I don't. Full Metal Alchemist. Um. Okay, so it should not be Ed and Al. I'm saying that right now. So I will say Winry and Al. It's not or Winry Ed, and Al. Ed. Or, not Winry and, and Ed. Not Winry and Ed. Not Winry or Al. I mean, I'm I'm concerned about possibly the age difference. If I say Roy Mustang and anyone else, that's why. Mustang's in there, but... Oh, oh, Risa Hawkeye Mustang? It is, in fact, oh, again, giving boy. the people what they want. It's yes. Mustang and Hawkeye. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, now, to be fair, we that's the, that's the tops, 3,528 tags on that. We immediately go weird because number two is ed and roy oh see this is where okay and that's where a little bit of that uh steve number four for ed and al number four. Oh, is ed and al together ed and ed and al uh, is the number four wait, wait, tag wait, wait, wait. relationship what, in in the metal suit body or without it <laughs> <laughs> very important too. which one is worse which one makes it worse <laughs> is he just kissing the seal then like you can't have to be delicate <laughs> oh, around that thing oh, if it breaks God. he loses his soul what are you doing people oh. God. Oh so anyway, yeah, I even wrote Alan Ed or number four, you monsters. Oh. Ed now for if you have not somehow watched Full Metal Alchemist, brothers, of course, brothers. Yeah. yeah. Here you go, Steve. Who do you think is the top relationship for Rising of the Shield hero? It's not Nafumi and Raftalia. It is not. Whoa, boy. Okay. Mm. So I gotta look these characters up because those are the two ones I, I know off the top of my head. Okay. So give me okay. give me give me a few seconds. Put a few seconds on the clock. And while Steve is looking that up, I will shout out that Hawkeye and Mustang definitely one of my favorite OTP pairings. That is one that I definitely identify with and before. Honestly, all the romantic relationships on Full Metal Alchemist. Ed and Winry, hell yeah. Al in Brotherhood with the girl whose name I am forgetting, but she is from the same Asian continent that 
Steve referenced earlier in his original cosplays. Their relationship, also fantastic, also great. Greed's relationship with himself. <laughs> yeah, he loves himself. So going back to Rise of the Shield here, is one of them Malty? No. Really? Mm, oh, don't, Philo, Philo. No. Really? Wow. Okay, then I'm I'm really getting, I'm naming all the main characters here. Because we have Raptalia, we have Naofumi. I will say Naofumi's one half of it. Is it, oh, is it like Motoyasu? No. Ren? No. What What other character? Glass? I wonder how popular this character is then. Now I'm getting, now I'm really, like, I understand because there's other heroes and that's like the whole crux of the thing that like they all think he's like um, useless. So this one I'm stumped because I'm going through like all the main characters. So the so it's so it's now Fumi so it? with Larkberg. Larkberg? Lark L apostrophe A R C Larkberg. I have him pulled up right now. It says he is the scythe hero. Oh, okay. So it's another wait, 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 wait. Another hero? Apparently. The scythe hero. He is the wielder of the, the vassal scythe. Of the other world beyond the wave. Oh, he okay. Is the so I know king ta- of the country. So I know who you're talking about. He appears in the second season. He doesn't appear much in the second season of the show because it's at the very end. Yeah, Larkberg. He's pretty cool, but I'm uh, that one. I'm honestly surprised because I was naming all the characters, and I'm like, none of these people. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised. People, you can you can you can do better. You can do better with the shield here. People want to see him and him and now Fumi. They barely some talk together. to each other. Not in these fan fictions, they don't. <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> and last but not least, we of course had to do it, Steve. Evangelion. Um Shinji and his existential dread of trying to be uh loved. I mean, you're close. <laughs> Shinji and LCL? No, no. It is a character. It is an actual character. Okay, 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 okay. I'm going to get uh, Shinji and Asuka. No. Really? I think think that was number two. I didn't write it down, but I believe that was number two. Shinji and Rei? No. I think that was even further down the list. Is it Asuka and Kanji? Kaji? No. I don't don't think I saw that one on the list. Please don't tell me it's Misato and Shinji. No. Man. Your your mind has been you you've forgotten some of the tenets of Shinji. Oh, no, these no, relationships. no, no. Oh, is it is it Misato and Kaji? No, that was number six, and I am offended six? by that, people. That that was the number six tag. Kaji and Misato should have been number one, and is the other relationship I would call out besides Hawkeye and Mustang. Oh, are we talking about Shin- Shinji and Toji? Steve, you you are missing. Think back to. Evangelion 3.33, you cannot redo. Oh, Kaoru, yeah. Kaoru. Yes, oh, it is, yeah, it is yeah. in okay, fact, Shinji sense. and Kaoru. 925 tags on that. Wait, wait, can you do me a quick reference right now? Pull up Sword Art Online. I want to see it. That is a that is good. I should have thought about that, honestly. I'm, I am a little, I'm a little disappointed in myself for not choosing that one. Because you mentioned at the beginning... Where I was getting very apprehensive, I was getting some wrong. I'm like, oh, do we have to do some like same uh, family type of relationships? So I wanted to. So I thought you were going down the line that somehow Sugu, Lifa, and uh, Kirito are the main ones, and I'm like, I know they're not technically related, but that would still be weird. Thankfully, no. Number one. Well, number one. So it's it's not. I'm gonna it's, be honest. Is a little bit of a. 
Wait. It's, it's Kirito's real name. Oh, wait. No, no, no. It's it's not a weird one. It's not a weird one. Sorry. It is Kirito. Yeah, I was, I was looking at Kirigaya Kazuto. Yeah, and it was. No, but it, it is Kirito and Asuna Good. at number one, of course. Number two. Who do you think number two is? Um, Kirito and Klein? No, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, not seeing. Oh, is it just like Klein. Kirito plus any other girl as you go down the list? Not, no, no, and thankfully not. It is Yu-Gi-Oh and Kirito. Oh, okay, yeah, good, good taste. taste people. That makes sense. Like that. But then every, every, but then after that, it is literally it's it's then Sinon and, and Kirito. Oh, then it's then it's you. Then it's don't say Yui. Don't. Just then it's just Asuna by herself. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, then it's. Rinko and Heathcliff. What? Uh, uh, okay, okay. I mean, power to you if you're able to oh, make that. Oh, Sinon, Sinon and Lisbeth. All right. I mean, and then and then Sinon and Kirito, surprisingly, way down Interesting. there. Interesting. And then finally, oh, there we go. The number nine spot, Kirito and. Oh Klein. yeah, still in the top ten. <laughs> well, that is what Ao3 and the internet think are some of the top pairings from various anime properties. Some surprises in there. I'll be honest. Should we transition to something that I love still just as much as, as talking about OTP pairings? Are we talking about the Wheel of Fate? We're talking about Fate Zero Episode 2. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this. I know you were asking a ton of questions. I think Fate Zero can do no wrong, and so this was a stellar episode, as always, from Fate Zero. Steve, what did you think of this episode? Before I go into my thoughts on Fate Zero, if you are not familiar, this is the Wheel of Fate. We've been told that there's no good place to start Fate, so we took the two literally, and each and every week we pick a random episode, movie, spinoff, you name it. I got it on my forever-changing and very long list of every single Fate property, and we talk it amongst ourselves and with you listeners to see how we can piece this story together. And this week, we drew Fate Zero Episode 2, a rare beginning episode of a series. And I have to say, Joe, Fate Zero is definitely the best fate out of all of them. Okay, good. Thank you. It is the best one. even has the best opening, I think, out of all of them, too. For listeners, for Fate Zero Episode 2... We have Lord L. Malloy the second talking with not yet, is it, not yet. No, not the second. The first one, the first one. No, he is the second one. He's but he has not adopted that name yet, Steve. Oh, okay. What's his? What's his? What's Waver. his? Uh, Waver. Waver is, Velvet. Waver Velvet is talking and is learning to be a master. With help me out, is it is it's a Gilgamesh? No. Alexander the Great. Alexander. See, I was going to say Alexander the Great, but then I realized, oh, I actually am a student of history, and I know what Alexander the Great does look like, and he does not look like that at all in real life or uh, back in history. So whatever, you know, fate, anime, doesn't matter. And um, learning the ins and outs of being a master. And also we have Kiritsugu, who is having a tender moment with Ilya. And I'm not, I'm forgetting the relationship exactly. Adopted or a stepfather? Uh, biological. Careta- caretaker? Biological father for all intents and purposes. Okay. 
And am I missing anything else? Those seem to be the two main things. Oh no, we had we had we had our third thread, which is one of my favorite things, one of my favorite parts of all of Fate Zero. We had, of course, Ryanosuke, the serial killer, torturing oh, a family yes. and summoning Gilderai, his caster class. And I just love these two characters so much for just being totally uninterested in the Grail War and just that that just that element of chaos that they bring to Fate Zero, I think is is so cool and just only gets even even crazier from from there. But yeah, just just him being like, I don't know. He summons this demon who destroys this child with Cthulhu tentacles, and he's like, I don't know about this Grail thing, man. But we're gonna have some fun together. I'm just like, yes, bring that chaos. It's so good. Yes, he's gonna kill some people. I do like that it does answer a few of my lingering thoughts, such as I'm assuming this character probably is the one who I've always been asking, like, why does this kill the masters? I'm assuming this person is like, yeah, I don't care. Let's just go for him. Ish. He almost, he's, Ish. well, he doesn't really, he doesn't really attempt it when they come for him because he is such a, he is literally like just going around killing people in, in Fuyutsuki. Then he fights back, but he has—he literally has no interest in pursuing any sort of grail. He just wants to kill as many people of, as possible with Gilderai. That's it. The person that you're going to have fun with in terms of wanting to literally go for the masters is, is your boy Kiritsugu. Love Kiritsugu. And I did want to ask one thing. I feel like this has been a repeated question, but I always... I'm wondering who is deemed worthy of participating in the Grail Wars. Now, on one hand, I understand that there are a few people who have a blood lineage of magic. I'm thinking of Ilya's family, whatever. Um, I know Kiritsugu, I think, is based on his, his skill, essentially. That he's able to do it. But some people, such as this the serial killer, it's just random. So that's like my main question going into Fate Blindly and seeing so many Fate properties is who is, what is, who gets chosen? Because I know the T T Tosica family too, for Rin, their family also understandably has like a history with the Grail Wars. But sometimes it's just like, yeah, random person, buckle up. That's kind of a big question and theme in Fate Zero, actually. I think Ryanosuke, he kind of explains it as he was like he found his in his somewhere in his family, someone had been researching the arcane. And so he had found those journals and he, and he was just killing people, but now he wants to maybe see if he can use this killing hobby to go down a more sort of magical satanic arcane path. So that's kind of why he just kind of wanders into summoning Gilderai. Uh, but a big, a big portion of it actually comes from Waver because Waver, his whole crux as a character is kind of, he's kind of low born. He's not really like a, from a famous mage family and even said that to Alexander when he was like, I just want the people who, don't like me at the school at the observatory to to like respect me because a big part of that is Lord Elmaloy the first hates Waver he's a teacher at the college and Waver's whole deal in getting into this in the first place is that he is that he just 
despises Lord El Malloy so much for not giving him any sort of respect or time of day. Because Waver works really hard. He's just not, you know, from the most magical, capable family. So he actually steals Lord El Malloy's the artifact that was supposed to summon Alexander and uses it himself. So he, he also kind of like steals his way into the Grail War a little bit. So it is like, it's kind of like if you know about it, if you know about it and you know how to do it and you're one of the first people that can get a servant, then you're in basically. Okay. So you, you have to have, your family has to have some type of history or connection to it. You need to know about it and not every family knows about it. It really is like the deep bloodlines know about it, like the Matus, like the Tosicas, like the Einsburns. They they have known about this because they've been a part of it for so so long. But you, you, you it's not just common knowledge in the in the magic world. Okay, all right, and it's the same thing because uh, Shiro, his connection is with Kiritsugo. And correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you say Kiritsugo is just totally so, super based on skill, which makes him so unique? He can use magic, though. Yeah, yeah, he can. Kiritsugo can. But I don't think he comes from a, a fancy family. No, he certainly does not. <laughs> yeah. There are multiple, there's, there's quite a bit of flashback episode to, to let you in on Kiritsugo's past. No, but I, I still think this is, I mean, the best one. I think it's obviously beautifully animated as well. Um seems to be a little bit more serious i and this is the one i probably look forward to the most other than honestly prisma Ilya has some great fight animations but it is it's either a 10 out of 10 episode or a zero out of 10 there is no in between i'm excited for you to see more of this i think we should take fate zero out of contention for wheel of fate and you should just watch it because i think you I, I do think you'd love it for all of the political machinations that happen throughout it and all of the mind games that everybody every character is playing with each other sorry can't do that breaks the rules but as we whittle down all of them we'll eventually get them and i will say for the first time even though i know it's not perfect episode two of fate zero I think that's an okay place to start if you had a gun to your head. I don't think that's so... There be there are far worse areas to start than um, episode two of Fate Zero. Well, where are we going next? Can we watch some more Fate Zero? It's up to the wheel to decide. With that said, as I mentioned before, at the top of this segment, Wheel of Fate, I have every single episode, movie, and short, on my list, I do a random number generator, and we just let it take us go away. So, Wheel of Fate, turn, turn, turn. Let us know the episode we shall endure. So, let me roll this. Okay, number 12. Let me see where that populates on our list. Going back to Babylonia once again. How? I don't know, man. Listen, it's not me. We've seen two episodes of this so far. I feel like we've seen more. And no, we've seen we've no we've wow, seen two. It feels we've like seen we've seen episodes. a lot more of that. We saw one of the beginning ones where they get to was it Urut, which and they meet Gilgamesh for the first time, and we saw one of the last episodes where they're fighting against um the big baddie essentially. I forgot who it is, but it's like a big serpent. Well, which episode from Babylonia? Where are we going in there? So there's 21 episodes. So I'm pulling this up and resetting once again. We're going to episode five. Episode five, Gilgamesh's travels. Gilgamesh personally assigns Ritsuka and Mash to be his escort when he travels to an observatory on the coast to inspect the water quality of the sea. (laughs) 
perfect. What could perfect. possibly go wrong? I hope, it, I hope that's exactly <laughs> what happens in this episode, too. And there is no fighting of any kind. I hope they literally just go to this place, inspect the water, and, and it all looks good, and that's that. And also, to correct, we've seen three episodes, actually, of Babylon. You are correct. We saw episodes... Two and three, one of the rare doubles that we've actually seen back to back. So they kind of make sense. I bet one of them is when I really bitched about the coin usage and bread. That's probably had to be the episode three. Cannot bread. Uh, I mean, cake was not invented at this time, and coinage. Sorry, you don't know that. I do know it. <laughs> what are you talking about? I do know it. I'll give them a pass for our, for metal for their metallurgy for steel weapons. It, it, it was theoretically possible, but. Not in the amount of uses that they're using back then, but again, whatever. So episode five, we're just doing some good kingdom maintenance, really, and just seeing what uh, Gilgamesh wants to do about this lighthouse, essentially. <laughs> Observatory on the coast. But we'll talk about that next week, because for now, we, of course, have to get into our character ranking lists of the Waifu Watch and the Best Boy Bulletin, where every week, one of us brings a character for the ranking of one of our two lists. I'm doing it, Steve. Well, I've brought a Best Boy. This sounds dangerous already. And I'm not going to give you any... I, don't, I feel like this is a, this is a person who I, who I just say their name, and then we discuss... I don't think there's much we have to say in terms of description for this character. But I'm very curious to see where we put them. Because I don't really know your background with this character. I'm, I'm assuming that you are pretty well familiar, but I don't know exactly how you feel about them. Okay. So, that, so here we so go. So it means to me, to me that it's an older character. Yes. Goku. Goku. Ooh, Goku. Wow, so I have a big hist I have a um an interesting history with Goku and that sounds weird as I say that. <laughs> so I've seen a lot a, of AO3 fanfic from Steve lot, on Goku. <laughs> a lot of Listen, I have a pen name that I have been that is my secret side job which I've been doing now. I grew up watching a lot of Dragon Ball Z in middle school it was one of two shows in the morning with i want to say card capture sakura that i watched before catching the bus having a little you can picture little steve there with his pop tarts um brown sugar of course best one and been watching uh dragon ball z i remember two distinct things that I always call back in my mind uh first how long it was on that that spirit road that Goku was on because he had to get to that planet at the end to do some additional training. I remember that. And also just this random smash cutscene uh, of um, Vegeta and his uh, – God, who's that other guy? Probably the Seiyu Force. I forgot. But um, they're coming down their pods to Earth, and you have a little boy and a father – in the city getting ice cream or the kids asking for ice cream. He's like, Hey, what's that little light up there? And if I was like, I don't know, let's go get some ice cream. And the little lights really their pots and just smashes into the city and kills everyone there. <laughs> everyone there. They're bad people at first. Vegeta's a bad dude. At I first. know. I know. And he just comes out and I'm just like, wow, that's a little dark or whatever. 
Now, I apologize, listeners, if I got that like if I got the technical details wrong, but it's been a long time and I have not had a Dragon Ball Z rewatch in a very long time. Cause I of course I remember all the fight with Frieza and all the duels with um Vegeta and Goku and also with Majin Buu and, the, and those fights. I mean, the show is very um famous for its drawn out fights is the nice way to put it but i've seen a lot of dragon ball z but this is an interesting character because i i mean thankfully i know uh, a lot about goku and vegeta I, fe- I feel like if you started going down to like some other characters it may be a little bit tougher to give like an honest answer to but what are your thoughts with on Goku what's your what's your history with this character it's kind of very similar honestly i was a huge fan back in the day for sure middle school even into high school elementary school middle school high school really all all of the schools i was kind of i was watching a lot of dragon ball z specifically really dragon ball z i think people of our era certainly grew up on that i've since got i had gone back at the time and dabbled with some Dragon Ball. I've never I've never gone through just all of Dragon Ball in and of itself, but I have seen various parts of it. So I've seen I've seen a fair amount of Goku as a as a child as well, as well as his adult stature. Haven't watched any really thing anything really else. I haven't really dabbled much with Dragon Ball Super, although I did see the Broly movie in theaters when it came out a couple couple years back. So I did see that. So that's honestly probably my most recent Dragon Ball tentpole. But yeah, certainly I was obsessed when I was a kid. This was like the show. Every time, every it wasn't a before school. It was an after school for me. Get home, four o'clock. You know, I'm like 10 years old. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm watching Toonami before I start homework and I'm watching a little Dragon Ball Z. So I, I look very, very positively on, on this character. I love Goku. I, li- I like the character, but I will say very vanilla. That was what I was. That's what I was going to say as well. Not very complex. Very great. Very great. Just archetypal gung ho hero. Pure, pure of heart. Pure of heart. The Superman of Japan, essentially. Yes, I that's a great analogy. So I get where you're coming from, where he is he's very good. Like you said, he's very pure of heart. He's very kind-hearted. But not as complex as some of these other characters. So I'm interested to see where we rank him in that regard. Honestly, I'm I'm telling you right now, I don't think he makes the top ten. Wow. If he does, then it's at the bottom half. He's not above Ryuji Kaji, I'll tell you that right now. No, and in fact, my initial gut was under Kaji above Karama, but if you want to talk me lower, I, I, you, we could, we could make that conversation happen. I would say, if I'm talking about Hinata from Haikyuu, there are I, I want to, I want to say similar characters in terms of they are both pure heart and Hinata. I mean, they both train to be the best person they can be in their ability, but how would you rank Hinata and Goku together? Who is number eight, listeners, if you're not uh, sure, on our best boy list? Hmm. I think they're similar characters in that vein. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I would agree with that. They certainly have s- certain similar demeanors. So, I mean, I love Hinata. You know I love Hinata. Hinata from Haikyuu. So, like, right there, Haikyuu, one of the best shows currently, currently still in production. So... But I do have to say, is Hinata the most complex character on Haikyuu? No. 
Probably not. Who would you want to have a beer with? Well, Hinata, unfortunately, is like like 15. Who would you want to have a juice box with? I, could, I mean, honestly, I could see myself having a better time hanging out with Goku. Honestly, Hinata might get on my nerves a little bit. He's endearing for sure, but I could see myself perhaps getting a little annoyed with Hinata. With his energetic side. Given that you know Hinata better than me, I will take that because this is this is a compromise we do with each other. So I will accept Goku above Hinata because that was the main thing. When I looked at the list, and we have a list right now of 15 on our best boy bulletin, I zeroed in on Hinata. He's like, he's either going above or below, and then where the chips fall goes goes there. I can take that because, yeah, that, that moves him down a little bit from – because I was looking above Karama, but that, that bumps him down below Karama, and I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Karama's certainly a more complex character than, than Goku. So we're putting Goku at number eight? That's what it looks like, yeah. Uh, okay. Goodbye, so. Arima Kose from Your Lion April. Number one is Yusuke from Yu Yu Hakusho. Will not be beat. Never going to be beat. Number two. We'll see about that. Who are you going to bring? <laughs> number two. Spike Spiegel couldn't even beat him, Steve, from Cowboy Bebop. Number three is Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho. Number four is Gon from Hunter x Hunter. Number five, Hide from Tokyo Ghoul. Number six, Ryuji Kaji from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Number seven, Kurama from Yu Yu Hakusho. Number eight is now Goku from the Dragon Ball Epic Series. Number nine is Shoyo Hinata from Haikyuu. And number ten is now... Getting dangerously close. Miyuki Shiragane from Love is War. And then, yeah, just to give you a brief rundown of the rest of the list, if it's been a little while since you've heard these names. Number 11 is Arima Kose from Your Lion April. Number 12 is Klein from Sword Art Online. Respect. <laughs> Number 13 is Krim from Interspecies Reviewers. Number 14 is Sasuke from Naruto. Number 15 is Hiei from Yu Yu Hakusho. And number 16 is Kanahamaru from Naruto. Hate him so much. And I'm just want to say right now, Spike Spiegel was robbed. No, he was not. He absolutely robbed. was not. Robbed. I don't, re- I don't, re- I do not, do not regret that in any way. We need an appeals process. Again, listeners, if you would like to write in and let us know if we were wrong or right about the Yusuke versus Spike Spiegel debate, you can, of course, do that by writing in to weebweeklypodcast at gmail.com. Steve, I got a question for you. Yes. When are Because we have a few Evangelion characters here now. We, of course, have Kaji on the best boy list. But even back on, on the Waifu Watch, we had a recent ad last week, I believe, of both Asuka Lengli Suryu and Misato Katsuragi. As more characters get added, when are we going to go down the route of having the Asuka from Neon Genesis Evangelion, but also having the Asuka from the rebuilds on the list as two separate characters? Uh, I mean, there. Can we open the floodgates on that? No, because this list would Damn be forever it. long. No, no. You take them all. At, I I understand that they have different type of stories, but I mean, if you pull up that can of worms, if we eventually get to Steins Gate, it has like a million types of. Do you want to do? Do you, do you want? Do you want? I'm not to saying have, no to um, that. Hoen Kyoma from Steins Gate Zero yes. versus the one from the regular Steins Gate. Yeah, I do. Listen, when we start when we start getting to the bottom of the barrel, when we start getting down to I don't know, 
when, when are we going to add Toji, for example, to this list? I don't know. When we see, probably when we see the fourth movie, and he's the most important character in there. <laughs> That's true. I'm trying to think of like someone else. Oh, uh, how about Recon from Sword Art Online? When is he getting on? Actually, I have no idea on, who that is. Put him at the, no, we're going to put him on right now. He's below Konohamaru. You know who that was? You gotta look up Recon. He was that li- he was that guy who was um, with Leafa all the time in the second season of Sword Art Online. Who was just annoying and always on like a, a punching bag. Sec- oh yeah, you- yeah, yeah. This little we're putting fucker, up. He's yeah. even worse than Konohamaru, so he's gonna be the new number seventeen. Let's go to Reddit. What happened to Recon? <laughs> what happened to Recon? <laughs> He didn't even get. Everyone showed up in Alice's station. Not Recon. Why didn't not him. Why didn't he join the team? He helps Kirito get to the top of the tree. Why isn't he in any stuff after? Top post. You guys are crazy. Recon is literally the most underappreciated hero of Alfheim, but the most important hero of the entire series. And then he has a bunch of lists to like back it up, but when I click on them, they're all not found. So I don't really know. <laughs> No, that no, is. But Recon, you're on number 17. We hardly knew you. All these people being like, what are you talking about? Recon's there in the final episode of SAO2. But yeah, you're right. Why wouldn't they have brought him back in Alicization then? The movie characters went Alicization. You're done, Recon. Get out of here. Get out of here. You're no longer needed. So Recon, that's where you are right now. Well, as I mentioned earlier, if you would like to add your own character to the Waifu Watch or the Best Boy Bulletin or write in with any sort of question from the Weeby world, you can, of course, do that by writing in to weebweeklypodcast at gmail.com. Until then, Steve... Where can people find you at? You can find me at Save Cosplay on Twitter and at Save Point Cosplay on Instagram. As I mentioned before at the top, posting some photos from Katsukon. Give them a look-see and let me know what you think. And you can find me at Joe Reese VO on all major social media platforms. And now, of course, we come to the end of Weeb Weekly, where Steve, as always, will give you his hot take, where he gives you one spicy, spicy hot take with zero context and zero explanation, and that is just the end of the show. So, without further ado, Steve, what's your hot take? Joe, you're familiar with this. The best way you can tell that a show is a quality piece of work is if the animators bother to put people on the sidewalks walking. If there are pedestrians, quality anime. If not, throw it in the trash. Good night and thank you very much. <laughs>